Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. As someone who constantly travels to new locations out of state to hunt, I have to rely on map scouting before I even get in the truck. Onyx Hunt Maps makes it super easy for me to plan out my trips as well as track my success while on the trip. The offline maps along with the tracking feature and ability to add pictures to my waypoints means I can always reference old trips and hunts to better prepare for the next. When planning your next hunt, be sure to use Onyx to put you and your dog in the best situation you can. Use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20% and know where you stand with Onyx. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. They don't harm each other, you know? So I, I've been bit by a wolf and he left a, she left a massive bruise on my calf. If you're currently in the market for a kennel, then be sure to check out Gunner Kennels. Gunner Kennels is the only kennel that's five-star crash rated from the Center for Pet Safety. The double wall rotomodal construction ensures it holds up in all types of weather and conditions. Also, Gunner Kennels has a lifetime warranty. These kennels are built to last a lifetime, and Gunner stands behind that. Gunner also has all the accessories you can need, from fan kits to help keep them cool, performance and orthopedic pads to help keep them comfortable and ready to go after long travels, and even tie-down straps to help ensure there's no worries for the kennel moving or sliding around in your truck. So if you need man's best kennel for man's best friend, head on over to gundogityourself.com and click on the Gunner link. Be sure to purchase your kennel, accessories, and even gift cards for holidays and birthdays through our link, and it will go a long way in helping out the podcast. Welcome back to another week of GDIY. Adam, I only have one question for you. Okay. Are you the leader of your pack? Absolutely. (laughs) Are you the leader of your pack? Not at all. (laughs) Well, there's, you know, this episode we talked with David Kurlander, um, and... There's a lot of pack leadership type stuff that we talk about. Um, and yeah, after this episode, after recording with him, I started reevaluating <laughs> some of the things I do in my house. Yeah, it was a really interesting conversation. David's a, a real fun guy to talk to. He he was nice enough to have me on his podcast, the Pack Animal Podcast. Check it out if you need some more listening opportunities. But he's he's really interesting. He, he's been an animal behaviorist. It's a mouthful. Yep. Uh, and he's worked with everything from wolves, coyotes, foxes, even elephants. And I mean, just yeah. all kinds of crazy animals. And he's applied that directly to dog training and more specifically hunting dogs. And that's what he's passionate about now. And he just has a real unique perspective on working with your dog in a language that they understand because they don't, they don't understand English. And right. So, you know, he, he concentrates on working with the dogs in a, in a manner and a behavior that the dogs are quicker to understand, I guess. Yeah, I was smiling the whole time we were recording with him. There's just so much interesting stuff that he had to talk about. And honestly, it, it made me really step back and reevaluate some of the things I'm doing with my dog. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not any drastic changes, but just... Sometimes I've gotten away with things working, but now I understand why it works after talking to him and it just, yeah. And this episode, you know, a lot of people that they really enjoy the how to episodes, uh, when we have guests on and people that are a little more experienced that can speak to how to processes. And this episode is not that really, it's, it's really more just diving deep into how a dog views certain behaviors and leadership 
and stuff like that. So it's really interesting. And, and it's stuff like that. If you, if you really dive deep and you try and understand that it's going to make you a better dog trainer overall. Well, this is, this is a big episode on the why rather than how to. And, you know, ironically, you can do the how to stuff all the time, but if, I mean, you say it all the time, if you don't understand the why, then you just go through that step-by-step process Mm. and it in the end sure it might work but you're not going to be able to to tweak someone else's process to fit your dog if you don't understand the why and if something doesn't make sense or click for the dog you don't know what step went wrong and why right so you don't know how to fix it but but yeah it was just a fun conversation you know we get into all kinds of different topics with him everything from him getting bit by wolves to you know answering the door when somebody knocks on the door with your dog yep. in the house uh yep. so really interesting i think you'll enjoy it um real quick typical stuff hit that subscribe button it really helps us out leave a rating review share it with a friend uh follow us facebook instagram gun doggy yourself if you want a direct line to us gun doggy yeah if i can talk gun dog it yourself <laughs> at gmail.com and hit us up we'd like to know what you what you think, what you enjoy about us, what we can do better, guest topics, uh, ideas, whatever. Hit us up. Let us know. Send us an email. We love interacting and and answering questions. And uh, a lot of times people think they're going to call and get all the answers, call or email and get all the answers from us. But we end up learning a lot too um, as we talk through this stuff. So absolutely. We love the feedback. All right. Well, let's get to it. You guys enjoy. Do you have trouble physically making it through long hunts? Is your dog always giving you that angry look telling you to keep up? Train your dog, but now it's time to train yourself. Rocky Mountain Hunt Strong is the company for any hunter that is looking for an effective fitness routine to get healthier and be able to hunt longer and harder. This company has merged fitness and the passion of hunting to help people like you and me continue to do what we love. From the Rockies to the Smokies and every field or prairie in between, this company can get you ready to go longer, cover more ground, and recover quicker. Go to RockyMountainHuntStrong.com and see their program for yourself. Use the discount code GDIY to save 15% and get to work. Train harder, hunt stronger, and recover faster. All right, everybody. We're joined with David Kurlander of the Pack Animal Podcast. David, how are you doing tonight? Good, good. How are you, man? I'll live in the dream. Can't complain over here. So start off telling everybody about yourself and what you do and, and, uh, yeah, just start there. Sure. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm an animal behavior specialist. I've been working with, uh, animals in general for over 25 years. Um, but more specifically focused on canine behavior. Um, I train, you know, particularly my, my, my favorite thing to work on is hunting dogs, um, especially upland. But, uh, you know, I've worked with, uh, God, I've raised lowland gorillas, elephants, wolves. Uh, I still do private wolf research projects uh, every single year. So, you know, it just anything that has to do with animals and behavior is, is, is my thing. <laughs> Did you say you raised elephants? I, well, I, so I was a zookeeper at the Bronx Zoo for, for okay. many years. Yeah. So, so I, I kind of started in the department of ornithology working with birds and then, uh, you know, moved over into, uh, mammals because, you know, it's always my focus. I've been working with my, my grandmother was a dog trainer. So, you know, I've been yeah. working with dogs for, since I was a child. So, you know, it's always been my, you know, wolves, coyotes, fox, sure. uh, but you know, when blood. I was in the mammal department, it's in the blood. Exactly. Exactly. And with all the dog hair I'm eating on my food, it's probably in my DNA too. But, uh. <laughs> so, so you've gotten to work with a, a ton of different types of animals, but, but you just said that your favorite really is, is hunting dogs in, in particular. Uh, have you always been a hunter? I know you just said that you kind of grew up with it and it's in your blood, but have you always been hunting? You know, yes. So, I, nobody in my family really hunts, which is kind of crazy. Uh, you know, I grew up in the city in the Bronx, so, um, you know, we never really had that opportunity, but any, anybody who understands animal behavior understands the, the nature of hunting and how it's like crucial to the survival and the bond of, 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 of all animals, to be honest with you. Um, but especially for the pack animal, like, like the dog. Um, so yeah, it's just been like such a, a natural affinity 
to me. And, and, you know, I wound up picking my first gun up at 16, uh, hitting those fields with my Labrador and, uh, just, you know, really just, uh, kind of feeling it out, working with the dog, feeling how he runs. And then, you know, over time I started picking up more, uh, professional tips, reading every book I could possibly find, um, and just learning every single term and, 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 and the structure of hunting. So, um, honestly, yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's one of the best, one of the best things that I can do for myself. And like I tell my wife, I joke around all the time. I said, when I retire, all I'm going to do is train hunting dogs. (laughs) Yeah. Same here, man. (laughs) Absolutely. So just live out that field. So that's the plan through your journey of getting into hunting and everything. I think I just picked up a little minute ago that, uh, Upland is your passion. Is that true? Is that your favorite type of hunting? It is, it is, you know, it's funny because, um, I have, uh, well, Currently, I only have three dogs right now. I have my 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 Labrador Ausgear, uh, my Brock du Bourbonnais, uh Kuno, and my uh, Brocco Italiano Malachi. So you know, I got the two pointers and then my lab, um, and I do a lot of duck and goose with my lab. But mm. you know, I'm telling you that that lab points so solid. It, it's just <laughs> he's just such a he's such a a versatile dog, you know. And 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 you know, I, I just really love bringing him out there. Cause you know, on occasion you hit a pheasant and it goes down in a pond and you know, my, 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 uh, my, my Brocco is not going to be swimming as, as gracefully as he is. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So you, you have the passion for hunting, you have the passion for dogs. How did that steer you down the path of becoming an animal behaviorist? And I guess just define what an animal behaviorist really is. So an animal behaviorist really is, is someone who focuses more on the psychology of the dogs. Um, I have found that like in my journey of, of working as an animal behavior specialist, that I I find that, that defining the two, a a trainer versus a behavior specialist is, is very important. Um, Training is considered unnatural. Uh, You know, you're, you're actually speaking English to your dog. You're, you're telling them to sit, stay, lay down. And it's, it's, completely awesome that your dog can understand this and, and, and do this. And, and yes, it does apply towards behavior. But what I feel like is, is where, where, where I've gone is, you know, through, through, um, through my journey is, is kind of breaking the anthropomorphic thought process of dogs. Um, you know, a lot of people use human psychology to diagnose dog behavior, which basically sets them up for failure. You know, we're expecting them to act like humans. And when they fail, we blame them for it. You know, so so as an animal behavior specialist, I like to focus on the structure and developing communication their way, the natural way. So, you know, I've, I've worked really hard on developing new methods, um, just doing my own research, going out into the woods, sleeping out there, observing wolves, um, just kind of thinking everything that I see that's happening how can I think of that differently? You know, how, how can I become less human and, and more like them to understand exactly how they perceive this world? Um, that's amazing, and that's where, man. Uh, anyone that listens to this and doesn't smile when, when you talk about going out and sleeping outside just so you can be closer to wolves and study them. That's impressive. I mean, there's something in, in each of us that wants to go out and do something like that. You know, um, it's yeah. Reconnect, man. Yeah. You just got to connect to nature and, you know, and especially for hunters, you know, we are, we, we always get, get, um, put down on, you know, that, 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 that hunters are cruel and, and, you know, you're killing animals and all that stuff. But yet, yet we know more about nature and more about the environment, more about conservation than any yes, of For them, sure. You know? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, 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 you know, and it's, it's just, it's nature. Every animal does it, you know, and, and, you know, we're not out there just for some sick, you know, thought process to just kill a bird. You know, it's, 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 it's all about the, the primordial instincts that are behind that and the connection between you and your dog. Um, you know, and I tell people all the time, it's like, imagine having like a German short hair pointer in an apartment in Manhattan. I mean, <laughs> that, that's torture. Yeah. <laughs> a little you unnatural. Know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there's a way that, I mean, there's people that do that, that have high drive dogs in apartments and and they make it work. Uh, but it's, it's not an ideal situation. I don't think. So you were talking about how we speak English to our dogs and it's amazing that they understand it. Um, 
I've been going out with uh, my wife a couple of times. She teaches horse lessons and I started asking her, you know, you don't tell the horse good horse or bad horse or anything like that. It's all through cues. Uh, but I also told Nick like, man, these horses are just like really big dogs. Like a lot of the stuff they're doing with horses are very similar to dogs. What similarities do you see between different animals? I mean, you've raised elephants, uh, you know, all the different things you've done. What similarities do you see across the spectrum? Well, it's so there are certain things that we all must do uh, that are similar in, in what, I, what I would call just survival instincts, you know, that, that we, we, we all have fear. We, we, we all experience fear in, in, you know, in a certain fashion. Um, you know, not all fear is bad. So, you know, for instance, like I, I want my children to fear playing in the middle of the road, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, yeah. Just like a bird fears a dog when it comes, comes towards it. That's why the pheasants hold fast and the ducks flush, you know? So, um, you know, so, so there are certain basic things that are common amongst all animals. Uh, and, and I feel like they all stem to survival. Um, but you know, at, at the zoo alone, I worked with over 650 species of animals and every single animal is different. They all look at this world very different than we do and very different than they do each other. So, you know, one of the greatest things we can do is learn that, you know, and accept that and, 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 and kind of understand how, how, and, and, and why they exist, you know, and, and kind of give them their, uh, their due, you know, like, like, like coyotes drive me crazy. Uh, you know, I mean, granted, you know, I have children, I have 16 acres up here in the Berkshire mountains. Uh, I've got coyotes roaming everywhere. So, you know, they're, they're beautiful animals and I respect them and I understand that they are aggressive and that they are a little bit overpopulated, especially in my area, uh, due to the lack of, you know, but, but again, it's, it's again, due to the lack of understanding of man, you know, we, we, we build these homes and then we see a mountain lion walk through and we want it dead, you know, and yeah. why, <laughs> why, you know, I just, you know, it's, it, it's more about, you know, I, I feel like every animal, especially also has their own individual personalities. Um, I've seen coyotes that are actually walked three feet from behind my 14 year old son and didn't even bat an eye and didn't even look at him, just kept walking. Uh, and then I've had coyotes stalk me on the wood line. <laughs> so, you know, it's hard to say behavior kind of varies for everything. And, you know, uh, I think one of the biggest things that we get into trouble with, with our domestic dogs is we generalize behavior. Uh, and I find that with a lot of dog trainers that they're, um, they generalize, like they think that, you know, because your dog is pooping in the house, throw them in a crate, you know, which don't get me wrong. I crate train all my dogs. Um, but some dogs might have a higher anxiety or a trauma that we're not considering. And that winds up, you know, causing greater problems. So, you know, and it depends on, again, how they were raised. You know, if the dogs were from uh, some puppy mill, they were probably born in their own feces. So, you know, <laughs> right. you know, so they're, they're used to that. So, you know, you, the last thing you want to do is lock them up in a crate, you know? So, um, you know, I feel like taking into consideration individual personality, uh, much like people should in the school system, you know, taking consideration that one child might not learn as fast as the other child, but that doesn't make them stupid, you know? Amen. Right. Yeah. Just, just, just take your time and find their strengths and just kind of work on their strengths. You know, that's, that's why we homeschool. Yep. <laughs> we homeschool, we do not send them to, to, to these schools, but uh, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's all about just understanding the individual personality and, and bond and relationship, you know? Um, and every, every one of our domestic dogs are genetically designed to, to, to do, to do something, you know? So, you know, like you're saying with the German short hair pointer being in an apartment, you know, I'm sure they can make that work, but, but why, when you can have like an English Mastiff that would be perfectly happy living in, in there, yeah, yeah, you know, you know, um, you know, I've, I've rarely met a German short hair that won't hunt. You know, it's, it's, it's actually pretty rare They they all have some, some grade of predatorial nature on them. Absolutely. So I, I'm, You've said it a few times, and obviously the, the name of your podcast, the Pack Animal Podcast, through your years of studying all these animals and their behaviors, and, and you just mentioned the relationship and bond between dogs and man, it, it's you focus a lot on the pack mentality of dogs. So when when you first went into animal behavior, 
and working with canines, was it always obvious to you that the pack mentality was really the most important factor amongst all of them? For, for dog. Yeah. You know, for dogs. So, so when you look at the pack, um, the, the, the pack mentality is they, they act almost as a unit. They, they literally need each other to survive. So there's not really many animals out there that, that, that need that. We don't need it. You know, we, we, we're actually, if, if you really want to compare human behavior, um, it would be closer to like a feline versus a canine. So, so, you know, felines, you can put a cat in your house and your cat will love you. And there is an emotional aspect there, but your cat doesn't need you. You know, they're, they're the most effective hunters on the planet. They, they definitely don't need you to survive. Whereas a dog literally needs its pack to survive. Um, a lone wolf with an ear infection. You know, yeah, you know, figure a lone wolf with an ear infection will soon die of that ear infection because nobody's there to clean him. He can't contort his body to clean it. There's just no way that dog would be able to actually clean that, that, that infection, whereas a cat can totally clean it out and, and keep themselves groomed. So, you know, the pack animal uh, is, is, is basically born to have that relationship. That's why they, are, they're, they, they integrate so well into our into our lives because they literally need us. Um, and that's why they're so easily broken, you know, emotionally broken because, uh, you know, sitting in these shelters alone, isolated, you know, it just, it just, it just doesn't do well for these dogs. They, they need to be a part of something. Um, and usually their aggressive actions, their fear-based issues are all a result of the fact of lack of structure and communication. Imagine living in a house with a roommate who doesn't speak your language doesn't listen to a damn thing you want them to do or say, you know, right. Hey, this is my ham sandwich. Please don't touch this. And they just keep touching it and they keep eating it, you know? So, you know, and then the second I go up to that person, I say, Hey man, don't touch my sandwich. Am I'm euthanized for what? For resource guarding my food, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there's there, that, that pack mentality. They literally, they literally need each other to survive. And the hunting dog is like the epitome of that. You know, if, if you look at the genetics of a hunting dog, they, they, they need your guidance. They, they have to work together. They have to be stealthy. You know, that, that point is nothing but a, just a, an elaboration on a stealth um, versus like a German Shepherd, which, again, pack animal, awesome dogs. But their genetics are designed to be put in a field with a bunch of sheep and to act independently. You know, they protect mm -hmm. those sheep. They're flock guarders. They don't need the farmer out there to guide them. Um, you know, if, if I let my Brock do bourbon a out right now and he points a pheasant, that dog will be on that pheasant for 10 hours until I walk out there to tell him to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and he was locking up like that from like eight weeks old. So, you know, just, just that little side eye looking at me like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. Well, I, I love this topic when talking to everybody about just dog behavior and dog training and just just the relationship living within within your own home with these dogs. And it seems like, unfortunately, over the past decade or two decades, whatever, it's kind of like if you if you mention being the alpha or pack mentality, what whatever, when you're contributing it to training your dog you get a lot of eye rolls from people and, and I'm wondering if it's because people truly don't believe in it and not buying in, or if it's people like Caesar Milan when he was on animal planet for, for years about every solution was it doesn't see you as the alpha. I'm wondering if that kind of watered it down. What would you say to something like that to somebody who doesn't really believe that, that the pack mentality is such a large contributing factor to your dog? Well, Number one, I've, I've, I've done more research than probably any uh, institution because <laughs> I don't worry about funding. I, I, I don't worry about, even before I was married, I would just like on a wind, you know, just disappear into the woods. Where, where did Dave go? Is he alive? I don't know. Um, <laughs> Good for you. So, you know, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and I'm not restricted by any institutionalized prescriptions, you know, like this is what we're looking for and this and that. So, you know, what, what I've observed is that there is no real such thing as an alpha. Um, alpha is too numeric. It's like the one benevolent ruler of the pack. And it's usually based off of history, the male, the alpha male. Well, from what I've seen, 
every single female in that pack is a leader because out of their litter will come a alpha type, which I like to call them alpha type male. Um, so who raised that male? Who corrected him from day one was mama. So no matter what, no matter how dominant and alpha these males get, someone had to be over them at one point in their life um, and, and raise them and teach them and bring them up to be that, you know, and, and encourage those behaviors. So all females are, are, are alpha. Hence the reason why um, I swear female to female fights are going to put my kids through college. <laughs> it, it, it's just so common. You know, yeah. Male to male fight. Yeah. You male to male fights. It's like, bang, just do this, this and that. And they're, they're good with it. You know, females, it's like almost like a forever thing. <laughs> right. You know, so, um, you know, it's so, so I look at dogs as, as more providers. Uh, you know, if, if we look at the provider of the pack and usually the providers are the more regal, stubborn, you know, they're not overly aggressive. Uh, they're, they're, they're definitely have the more intelligence out of all the rest of the pack, you know, to, to, to make those judgment calls. Um, so, you know, I'm not, so when it comes to like Cesar Milan, um, you know, obviously I'm not going to say anything positive or negative about him, right. uh, but I don't believe that you could go on a TV show and work with one dog and then give the illusion that this is what's going to happen to your dog, you know? And, and, and often in, in my career, I've seen people actually watch that show or a show like it and try it on their dog and get mauled. You know, um, these aggressive approaches like that are, are just miscommunicating to the dog. You know, we, we, we can't bite our dogs. We are not canines. We didn't do the, the, the thousands of, you know, pre-communication to escalate to that, to that level. That's, you know? that's exactly what I was kind of thinking. You're dealing with a dog that over time has established its relationship with you within your own pack inside your own house. And then out of nowhere, you're just going to turn on the switch and say, okay, I'm going to be the leader. And some dogs aren't just going to immediately bow down to that. Right. Right. Absolutely. Especially the work quality ones. So yeah, there's, you, you, uh, yeah. sorry, they're talking about huh. Caesar, just for him as an example, uh, people see that on TV and then they try it. I'll go back to, to watching my wife with a horse the other day. She was able to do things with that animal and then kind of turned it over, uh, to the owner and the owner wasn't as capable and it comes down to experience. So then it becomes, you know, the more experienced person teaching, the inexperienced person. So I think that some of those things can work for every animal. There's some commonality, but uh, it requires experience on our end. What do you think? It's yeah. Well, so the way I look at it is that not every animal is the same genetically. Not every animal is the same personality wise. Uh, not every person is the same and not every environment is the same. Yeah. So every situation is different and there are common things you can work on. Um, but each thing you work on will bring out a different response based on the different animal. So what your wife did with that one horse, if she turned and did it with another horse, she would get a different response. Sure. Um, you know, even if it's just a subtle one, when you hand things over to somebody who's not experienced, I feel like it's just kind of like when you work with animals for so long, you do things that are not intuitive to humans. You know, sure. so, so there's a lot like counterintuitive behaviors that you have to work on yeah. and, um, you know, like letting, you know, a lot, a lot of people, especially I have four children, you know, I'm not going to let them fail if I can prevent it and explain it to them, <laughs> you know, um, you know, I'm not going to see a failing situation and be like, all right, go ahead, try it, stick your hand in the fire. You know, it, it just, I can I'm explain I'm surprised to, them. to hear you say that from everything else you've said, I've I thought you might be the type of guy that would say, yeah, I'll let the kids fail and learn on their own. Cause I love learning through failure. Well, I don't love it. It's I love watching <laughs> other people learn through failure. <laughs> I love failing. It's, a, it's effective well, though. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that I don't do that. I'm, ju I'm just saying that like, if there is a situation where I can explain to my child, you know, that, that this might not be bad. Like I, I, sure. I I'm definitely not going to let my kids learn by failing to go do drugs. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm going to explain to them. And, and, and it's, it's actually more so than not. We, we try to teach our children 
and and we verbally communicate and we 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 could set up scenarios and and we can draw things out and read books about it with with but with animals they work on a choice based method so if you ever watch a wolf raise its puppy the puppy is literally allowed to do everything to fail <laughs> and then and yeah. then be corrected for it so you know they communicate so if we were to break down um training versus behavior i would say training is command mark and release and then we would look at behavior as um, expect, warn, and correct. So essentially, you know, with a with a command, we would give a sit, we would mark it, good boy or yes or whatever words that, that people want to use, and then we would release them, okay, or 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 out or whatever we want to use. Uh, when it comes to the natural form of communication for dogs, they they expect the puppy to understand the structure, and when the puppy fails that, they warn them, and when they fail that, they get bit. <laughs> you know, or, or, or muscle down or something. So, um, but corrected. So, you know, there's, there are certain common things like that form of communication is absolutely broad. It goes right across the, the, the board for all, all dogs. Um, even when we see a dog that seemingly flies off the handle and just bites the owner for no reason, I'm sure that dog has given many warnings in his life. You know, um, it's just that day, uh, that, that, that level was just pushed, you know, it was pushed yeah. hard enough to get the dog to react. Right. So, um, so yeah, you know, I, I feel like, you know, with, 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 with dog training, when I, when I kind of pass it over to the person or with behavior, when I pass it over to the person to perform a, a routine, um, I feel like it takes a lot of practice for them to kind of make it become a, a, a habit, like more muscle memory, loosen the leash, don't pull the leash, sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, if the dog wants to, yeah, if he wants to eat the rock, bring him towards the rock. Don't let him eat it, but you know, mm -hmm. correct them. And when he's corrected, bring him back to the rock. Let him do it again and again and again and again until he gets it. Right. Um, how many times, you know, I've had a stubborn lab where I grab his face and I'm just like, "Listen to me. Don't eat the rock." <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, it just I'm doesn't, guilty. It just of doesn't that work. Too. It just doesn't work. <laughs> I've done it before. Well. I, right? I, I, out of all that, there was one word that I picked up on that, that I felt like was key. You said the word structure. And I think with your average person, whether it just usually like a pet dog inside the house, they have a hard time understanding that dogs crave structure. And, and like you said, it starts from the day they're born in the structure underneath their mom. And they kind of crave that structure and routine and set guidelines and, and rules that they have to follow. And so it's when somebody says, well, I'm not going to put my dog in a crate because that's just mean. Why w I wouldn't want to be stuck in a crate all day. And what would you say to those people that it seems like there's just a disconnect that they don't understand that, that dogs ultimately crave order and, and leadership from you? They, they, yeah, they actually derive all of their safety and security through structure and leadership. Uh, with, without having that provider, they are nothing. They feel unsafe, and that's usually where our anxieties stem from. And they usually react and become aggressive just because there is no structure there. And it's, you know, it, it, as a domestic dog, you know, for the, the thousands of years, depending on who you, who you talk to, um, you know, these dogs, the, the whole point, the whole point of domestication is that they never step out of the shadow of the, of the, of the human. On occasion, you get a few that do, you know, that have that alpha type mentality and they don't seemingly fit into our, our, our society, you know, and those are the ones that are too aggressive and they throw them on medications and they euthanize them. Um, but yeah, you know, that structure is massively important. So, so, so you made a mention of like the crates, which is hilarious because I'm always arguing with people about <laughs> Oh, that. I hear it all the time. Oh my God. It, it's cruel. It's this and that. You know, I have literally thrown a camera down into a wolf den or into a coyote den and measured the temperature, which is probably on a 30 degree day underground, probably about 80 degrees. <laughs> so nice and toasty. Yep, they keep very warm down there. And you got a den probably, I would say, about six foot by four foot with about 10 dogs in it. 
So, you know, <laughs> if you, if you, and, and they're, and they're nocturnal. So, I mean, yeah, they do walk around during the day. They, they do that. They bed down in the fields and all that stuff, but you got to keep in mind during a really cold winter during the day, most of these dogs after a nice, good fat belly are down in there for 10, 12, 14 hours sometimes. Well, you well know, it's, nice. it's how many times have you seen a video on Facebook or somebody somebody saying their dog is nuts because they have a small cat bed over there and then they have a large dog bed over there the size of your car and you have a 90-pound dog trying to fit into the small cat bed over there instead of going to sit on their giant dog bed over in the corner. Yep. It's they, right. it, they like those small spaces and feeling secure. They do. Oh, that leads me into another thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> Right. So dog, dogs and anxiety and those thunder jackets, uh, these, these jackets you put on the dogs that, that give compression. Yeah. Um, you know, my opinion on that is that if there's a child that's lacking affection from a hug, the last thing that kid wants me to do is wrap him up in a blanket and then think <laughs> daddy's hugging him. You know yep. what I'm saying? Yep. They're, they're, so, 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 so these ideas are just gimmicks to get people to buy things. And it's also easy for someone to buy that because uh, society doesn't see a dog as an emotional soul. They, they, they look at them as just animals. Hence the reason why we still got people who just chain their dogs up outside and throw a bone at them every, every week or so. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, and, and then the crate thing. You know, to be honest with you, a lot of these people who don't put their dogs in a crate and then the dog winds up in the vet hospital who, you know, because he ingested uh, a, a pound of sheetrock, you know, or, or ripped up a carpet and wound up lacerating his esophagus on the way down yep. with the glue on the back. You know, these are the people where I tell them, hey, if you put your dog in a crate, you, you would have created an environment of success and safety. Yes. And then you could work on your dog. And when your dog was ready to be out of the crate, your dog will be fine. I, I've never in my entire life, I don't care what the behaviors are. All of my dogs spend the first two years of their life in the crate. Um, you know, not all day, just, you know, just when I'm not home, uh, if I can't pay attention, things like that. And my dogs have never chewed anything in my house, never peed in my house. I've never had to even housebreak my dogs because they, they knew when they were going out, they knew where they were being fed. They had their downtime and they had their exercise and I knew when to walk them. So, you know, crates, a, a proper crate routine is massive and people should not be blaming people for, you know, other people uh, for being cruel because, you know, they have this sick idea in their head that people are like literally just caging a dog for 18 hours a day or a hamster. It's, right. it's just not the way it works. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got on the subject, <laughs> you know, when crates, when we were talking sorry. about uh, structure and I tapped Nick on the shoulder and pointed back to my dog that when we were getting everything set up in here to record my dog's kind of walking around smelling everybody greeting everybody and he was almost nervous and when i pointed to the kennel and said kennel it was like his blood pressure went down and if he could talk he probably would have said oh thanks for telling me to go in there i, I really needed that you know and he's i mean i'm snoring ever since he's passed out right now i had to shake the kennel a minute ago because he was whimpering and making noise so <laughs> he's dreaming uh so yeah, it's structure. Like he literally needed the structure. So it's just, it's really interesting to see that play out and then hear you talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, structure, the way I like to, to look at, um, or explain structure to people is that imagine having an army out there in, in a battlefield and absolutely nobody to lead them or tell them what to do. Um, it would be a complete shit show. Uh, it, 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 nobody would know what to do. You'd have too many people standing up to be a leader, you know, too many chefs in the kitchen, oh, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, you know, you, you need that, you need that structure, you need that leadership. And every military guy that I use that analogy with is like, hell yeah. You know, it, right. it, we, nothing without their general Absolutely. or without their superiors. Well, you know, that structure is massive. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I mean, so, you give that example. What what are some of the indications that on dog behavior that would indicate that maybe they don't see or that there's not enough structure in the home? You know, somebody's like, I have X, Y, and Z problem with this dog, and you can immediately know. Well, there's no structure in the household. Usually, aggression. So forward aggression towards people and not dogs. 
that's like usually a very common indicator that it's a structural issue. Um, dogs communicate to each other perfectly. They speak the same language. They, they give each other proper, you know, uh, warnings and, and, and they, you know, they, they, they just communicate perfectly. So there's a level of safety there. Um, when I walk into a home and I see a dog, that's usually like, Oh, my dog can go to daycare. It's no problem. But other people, when they come to the house, the dog like attacks them. That's a fear issue. The fear issue is basically, who's this guy walking into my house? Why aren't you guys doing anything about it? And now you're forcing me to either fight or flight. Right. And, you know, and, and, and I'm a, you know, I'm a, a cocker spaniel that, that doesn't want to be leader of this pack, but unfortunately you're forcing me to, <laughs> you know, so, you know it, it's like, I, I don't want to go greet this guy. I don't even know who he is. And, and, and they're not doing anything about it. You know, they're not communicating to the dog that it's okay. The, okay. The person might be saying, it's okay. This is my friend, blah, blah, blah. You're speaking English to your dog. You don't get it. You know, exactly. it's like, <laughs> you know, he wants to know, are you going to attack him or are you going to put me in my place to show me that, that, that you're protecting this person, that this person is now possessed by you, you know? Um, yep. I've had, uh, in, in, in the zoo or, or, you know, just in the wild or any res- preserves I've worked on, um, wolves where like the puppy come up to me and mama flies over and attacks the puppy <laughs> Wow! <laughs> to show the puppy that the puppy should not be stepping out of order. They don't want me. I'm not doing anything to harm them. And they just wind up putting each other in place for safety. So as a safety net, if I acted upon that, then yeah, I'd have a whole pack of wolves on me, but you know, they, they, they structure each other um, and they communicate to each other for safety. So when, when, when I see a dog with an aggression issue in a house, it's usually because there was absolutely no communication of structure. Yeah. They know that they know that the people are family. You know, I, I might even know your mama, but, but who are you in the pack? You know, I mean, how many human beings have mothers and we know they're their mother, but have, the mother has no authority whatsoever, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think sometimes know, so, we get away with, we, we communicate to our dogs in a way that that, that mother wolf communicates to the puppy by coming over and like attacking the puppy to say, no, you can't go greet this guy. A lot of people do that, but they don't realize that they're doing the same thing a mother wolf does. You know, someone comes to your door, your dog goes running up to greet him and you're like, Hey man, sorry, I got this young puppy. Give me a second. And you get your puppy and you sit it back and you're like, stay there. That's not how we greet people at the door. Do you think it's the same? I mean, do you think we kind of, we do some of those same things and not know it sometimes. Definitely. Absolutely. And, and, and for most dogs, it'll work. It's the one or two dogs that have a little bit more, you know, they need a little bit more. They require a little bit more from the, the, from the pack, you know? So, so putting a dog like in a stay or teaching them place, uh, that, that works very well for certain dogs, but some dogs, it's just, it's just not enough. You know, the dog's sitting there staying, but growling, you know, and, and you know, that dog's on edge and ready to just, just break into any second and, and go for that guy. Um, so the, the communication also, when I, when I was mentioning that the mother would like attack the dog, they don't harm each other, you know? So I, I've been bit by a wolf mm-hmm. and he left a, she left a massive bruise on my calf. But that was only because there was some structural battle that happened overnight and I happened to show up that morning and she actually considered me to be part of the pack. You know, this is a captive uh, uh, display uh, at the zoos. So, you know, so she had to put me in my place as though she put everybody else in their place, you know, so uh, she could easily harm me um, and the rest of the pack could have went after me, but they didn't. She just kind of corrected me like a, a puppy, just put her mouth around slow pressure and let go. Um, dogs don't harm each other. Yeah. They, you know, they don't harm each other. It's counterproductive to survival to harm the very thing you need to live. It's like shooting the pilot on a plane that you're sitting on. (laughs) It just doesn't make sense at all. Uh, So, you know, and dogs, you're not going to do that. They, and another thing is when mama corrects that puppy, if that puppy is a dominant alpha, you know, like type mentality with that, with that aggressive behavior, she doesn't want to harm that. Because one day he might be one of those providers and he might be providing security for the rest of the pack. Right. She just needs to make sure he's in order right now to survive, number one, um, you know, and, and, and understand that there is almost like a ladder effect. 
That's, so, you know, but yeah. That, well, that's really so that's interesting that they don't hurt each other. It's enough to, uh, to communicate, let them know they're serious. Right. But they don't hurt each other. And, and again, as humans, some, there are people that, that hurt their dog. So they're not communicating in the same way that wolves do. So what are some things specifically that we should do to establish ourselves as a pack leader? And again, like Nick said, people hear that and they kind of roll their eyes and there's, there's people out there that will say we are already the leader by being larger and a more dominant figure. What are some things we can do to establish ourselves as the leader of the pack? Well, yeah, you know, un- un- well, unfortunately we have a group of people out there, trainers that call themselves, you know, dominance trainers, you know, or, or, or they use, they use dominance methods. Yeah. And they're using like these old school prong collar bang, you know, make the dog yelp and they know, or, or collar burning, you know, and things like that with the e-collars, um, you know, which is, I'll be honest, people say, well, it works. And I'm like, yeah, it works. If, if you told me do it or I hurt you, I'm, I'm going to do it. You know, it's just, right. it's, it, but it's not out of love and respect. And, you know, no good leader will, will say that, you know, a tyrant will say that not, not a good leader. Um, a good leader will understand you and, you know, and, and correct you, but, you know, correct you because they love you. You know, like I correct my children all the time because I love them. I don't want them to get hurt, you know? So why, why, why would I hurt them? That just doesn't make any sense. So, you know, so yeah, you know, so, so there's kind of a bad taste in people's mouths when they do hear that, which, you know, that's why I stopped saying that, that, that these are dominance techniques because they're, they're, they're really not. It's more about developing natural communication. Um, you know, dogs do express themselves very dramatically. Um, I've had puppies where I literally haven't even touched them and I'm just like, no, don't do that. And all of a sudden they like roll over and they start yelping like I beat them. <laughs> yep. It's just communication. It's all it is. And, you know, if, if a wolf did hurt another wolf pack member, then, then they'll run away. They're, they're not bound by any leash or collar or electric fence. They'll, they'll, they'll fight or flight. So, you know, uh, you know, I've had trainers, you know, some of the guys who do apply some of those methods call me up and, you know, really kind of try to lay into me about this. And, you know, I'm like to each his own, you know, obviously there are clients out there that are going to want to hire that person because that's the mentality that they have when they train their own dogs. And, you know, I, I don't, when I ever say that's fine because it's not, but you know, and unfortunately it's keeping a lot of these guys and still in business. Um, you know, and, and, you know, it, again, you know, these dogs, they're, they're not going to work as hard for you in the field. I've seen some, you know, hunters out there, real old school methods and, you know, their, their dogs, you could see they're nervous. The dog, you know, they give a dog a woe to hold and, 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 you know, you could see the dog just kind of like flinch a little bit when the, when the owner walks over and I'm like, yeah, that's just not a bond, you know? And, and, and there's a point where you can take the nature of the dog that, 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 that they're born to do that. They, they, they love doing this and they have fun with it and you can make it miserable for them. You know, um, you know, I, I would hate to have to go out hunting because someone's holding a gun to my head. You Absolutely. Know? So, so like, what Adam was saying, are there any suggestions for you to be able to establish the structure and communication better around the house on a daily basis? Like instead of, I don't know, slapping your dog or something, is there a better way to react to get them to cooperate with you more instead of just essentially just bending the knee and doing it because they have to? Well, a lot of these behaviors can be addressed um, on the back end. So not in the fire. You know, so, so, so a lot of times what happens is like, for instance, with the reactive dog, people will, you know, correct the dog with the person still standing there. Now, if your dog feels the insecurity between you and him, it's going to associate the correction with that individual person. Right, right. And, and, and the insecurity between you and him is what needs to be repaired. Not, not the dog and the person, um, who cares about the dog and the person, to be honest with you. Uh, if, if this is my house and that's my guest and my dog don't like it, he can leave, you know, it, 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 it don't react or leave, you know? So what I suggest for people, if they have reactive dogs is first to really kind of gain the concept of the bond and the communication and the trust that your dog has in you. 
Um, you know, and, and, and that's what's going to get the dog not to react. I'll give you one quick story. I had a Doberman Pinscher in a nook years ago. The dog, I, I, I used to do a lot of Schutzen, which not really into it anymore. Um, I could still train it, but it, I, just, I don't know. I don't see the point of it. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, it's just, you know, he was, he was a great dog. I used him as like a demonstration dog for, for, you know, my, 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 my ability to train and all that. Um, but he did not like people. He did not like them. Uh, I used to walk that dog off leash through Central Park on a summer day with like thousands of people out there. And of course, people have very poor um, boundaries and they just want to walk over. Hey, a Doberman. And they'll grab him, you know, and they want to <laughs> pet him. And he would just sit down and look at me like either you stop him or I will. <laughs> so but again, it's like that was that respect and the safety. He trusted me. He looked at me for guidance, right. even though he didn't like that person. And I, he would not hesitate to bite, um, you know, if, if the need came to it. But he always looked for guidance in me. So when I see somebody who has a problem with aggression or fear um, in the home, I always say, try not to put the fire out on a log that's in the center of a bonfire. You know, it's like you got you to gotta pull it out and address it one on one. You know, you, you, with the dog, you have to kind of develop that relationship, develop that trust that when I say, hey, enough, that my dog listens to me and respects me. You know, if there's, uh, I, I actually did an episode on my podcast about fear. Yeah. You know, fear is very healthy. You should definitely fear breaking the law and you should definitely fear making mom mad <laughs> as a teenager. <laughs> These are the people who provide, not fear that they're going to harm you, but fear that the structure might be disrupted to the point to where you compromise the safety of the whole, you know? So, you know, I want my dog to fear biting my child, not that I'm going to kill him, but because he would completely disrupt the entire structure of the pack and cause harm. If, if a wolf attacks another wolf in the middle of the woods like that, they completely disperse the pack, you know, and, and now they leave themselves vulnerable, you know, while they're preoccupied doing that, Someone else, the puppies are getting stolen and killed or whatever, you know? That makes so much so, sense. I'm I'm trying to figure out as you're talking about all this stuff, if you use e-collars or not. Do you use e-collars at all? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, because, you know, number one for a hunting trainer, there ain't no way you can have a leash on a dog in a field. Uh, it's just, exactly. it's, just, it's annoying, um, you know, and to be honest with you, you know, I use my e-collars more. I, I train them first to be cues. So the levels are so low. I challenge any human being to even tell me that they feel it. Absolutely. You know, you know corrective stuff. Again, they bite each other. They don't hurt each other, but they definitely apply pressure. Yep. Enough pressure to bruise my whole leg. You know, so, um, you know, when we talk about pain, that's relative. Every person experiences pain in a different way. You know, um, so when you talk about a dog getting bit, you know, we have to look at the way they perceive reality. You know, that bite is actually maybe comforting. You know, mama loves me. Mama cared for me. Mama protects me. You know, so when I put an e-collar on a dog, I, I, I condition them. First, I condition them into the collar to love it, you know, just by positive reinforcement. I don't even turn sure. the damn thing on. Yep. Put it on treats, walks, anything. You know, they they see a collar or a gun and forget it. I don't have a screen door anymore. You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right through it. So yeah, you know, e collars done right are the best thing on the planet. Definitely the best thing. And 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 I've had scenarios where you know my Brocco is all the way out. Um, you know, I was hunting in Hunter Mountain in Catskills. Uh, right by Bear Pen, and it's a very appropriately named mountain. Uh, there's just bears everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and that dog was out all the way out uh, on the line, uh, going to retrieve a down bird. And, uh, actually it was actually, there was coyote there right at the foot of bear pen and they all stood up and I saw the bird <laughs> and I saw my dog and it was like 10 of them and one of him. And I'm way out, maybe like three acres away. Uh, so, you know, that scenario my dog's looking at me and he's holding and he's looking back at the coyotes and I'm like, <laughs> I know he's a tough dog, but he needs to come back here right now, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I wound up nicking him on the e-collar and he didn't move and I hit him on a hundred, 
and he just jumped in the air and came flying right back to me. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I don't care what anyone says. That little 100 nick on his neck was nothing compared to Absolutely. what he was going to get from 10 coyotes. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Exactly. And that's the, that's the mother wolf, uh, you know, biting their puppy right then. I told you to come here. Yeah. It hurts, but, uh, not as much as what this intruder in our den could do to you. Right. Right. It's like an electric fence. You know, I'd rather shock them at the electric fence than get hit by a car. Right. It's just, you know, what, what, what's the, you know, I, I mean, obviously training is definitely the, the better route to go, but on occasion, especially for us in a hunting field, you know, even my, my master versatile dogs, you know, I got them on e-collars every single day. Um, you know, I was just uh, talking to Steve Snell, uh, the, the owner of uh, gundogsupply.com. Um, and he was saying that, you know, he won't even touch a field now unless your dog's got a GPS on it. He will not hunt with you unless your dog's got a GPS on it. And, and I agree, you know, I mean, how many dogs hold on a, you know, they're on a point. And especially if you're out in like the Midwest where you're on horseback and your dogs are really far ahead of you, Yeah. you know, and you know, your dog's on a point and you're looking at your GPS and he's not moving and you think he's on a point and you show up and the dog's dead from a rattlesnake puncture in the chest Things like that. How many dogs, you know, go missing? Uh, you know, the, there, there might be some, uh, I don't know, some really loose mud in the area or something that go down. Or, you know, if you're hunting in the winter and how many dogs of mine just run across a pond, you know, I need to know where they are, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, you know, there, there's, I, I definitely believe in, in, in remote collars and, and, and that technology just keeps getting better and better and better. Yeah, um, absolutely. I agree with all of that. So, getting back to some of the behavior cues and specifically how it ties into training. Is there more, what, what would you say is the best one to really pay attention to? Is it body language, eye contact, and can, can you kind of give training scenario specific examples of how just being able to read your dog can make you, make you react to them appropriately quicker? Well, definitely spending time with the dog, you'll pick up naturally behavioral cues. You know, I feel like, you know, as, as a animal researcher, I kind of get a lot of heat from this because I believe in the, um, the energy levels, the, the mental connections we have with dogs. Um, you know, I know there's no proof or evidence to this other than the fact of the way we feel, but you know, as much as my dogs know when I walk home, if I'm smiling, but I had a bad day, they know that, you know, everyone else, else in the house is like, Hey, how's your day? And I'm like, yeah, it was great. And they're like, okay. You know, and you know, but my dog's like, no, 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 no. I I know something was wrong, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and I know that they just know that, you know, right. I mean, there's story. Yeah. You know, you, you leave work an hour away and your dog's waiting at the door, you know, yeah. <laughs> when you leave the job an hour, an hour out. So, you know, I, I believe in the, the, the mental connection, that, that connection you have with your dog and spending the most amount of time with your dog and doing things that are enriching, like, you know, hunting with a, a hunting dog or, you know, if you got a border collie, you know, something Frisbee, some, something that you can connect to will help you read their cues. Because again, dogs are different. They, you know, even though we, you know, uh, you and I speak English, we, we both have different behavioral cues depending on how we were raised and, and, and the environment. So, you know, there are certain body language things that you can read. Darwin actually, you know, uh, Darwin has, has laid that out in his books on, on, you know, just illustrations of like what, what fear looks like and what submission looks like and all that stuff. So, you know, there's always great diagrams out there to look at, you know, but, you know, wag tails, like te wagging tails, you know, my Doberman pincher just before he would go bite somebody with a sleeve, his tail was wagging <laughs> a lot. <laughs> it was very excited and very happy to bite somebody. So, <laughs> you know, yep. you, you, you never, not necessarily, you know, is that cue going to be, you know, oh, he's happy to see me. You know, it might, it, it means excitement and that might not mean the excitement that you think it means. <laughs> yeah. So, and, yeah. and with all of that, I mean, that kind of goes into, you know, you have some people a little more old school. They, they say that hunting dogs can't live in the house. And 
I would say with with your dog inside the house, that's more time that you spend with them. You get to pick up on those cues and you learn from those cues. And so you kind of know the dog and you ultimately have a better bond with them just because you spend more time with them on a daily basis. Definitely. You know, the the hunting dog is, uh, uh, you know, outside of your like Chessie's Labs and, and Goldens, um, you know, when you start getting into like your, your, your pointers and, and your hounds, uh, I, I could see why people say that. <laughs> I'll be honest <laughs> with you. You know, I can see that, you know, my Brocco will run circles around the kitchen table if I don't hunt them that day, you know? Right. Um, so I, I can see why, you know, I, I just think that people who don't want their hunting dog in the house just really don't have the patience for their dog. And, you know, a lot of those guys I've met don't even really want the dog outside of hunting. You know, it's like a lot of these guys just kennel their dogs and, and they, they, they meet up with the dog once the you know, season starts. They just look at um, it as a tool that's out in the tool shed for you. Exactly. 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 I've met guys who are like, Hey, that dog's 12. Uh, let's just take him out back and shoot him. And I'm like, what? You know, I wound up with so many older dogs in my house because I won't let anyone do that. Um, but you know, they, they look at them as, yeah, exactly. They look at them as tools, not like a, a living, breathing creature. So, you know, all my dogs are in my house, you know, um, they all sleep in the bedroom with me. They all sit on the couch with me watching movies, you know, they, they, you know, at the end of my, at my, you know, when I'm done with dinner, I'll give them some scraps, you know, and you know, they're, they're that, that bond I feel like makes them stronger hunters. Um, just, just more confident. You know, you gotta keep in mind, dogs don't wake up and go to work and tell the rest of the pack, Hey, I'll be back in eight hours. <laughs> they're, they're, they're born in the pack and they die in the pack yeah. no matter what wolf coyote uh feral domestic dogs you know they're, they 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 stick together um so the more people spend with their dogs that that bond and connection and safety and security will prevent them from having behavioral issues and you know honestly if you have a hunting dog in the house you know if you have behavior issues just just work with dogs spend more time with them you know yeah and, you know well another thing is a lot of these hunters um believe that, you know, they don't want to train their dog to do anything outside of hunting. They're afraid to break things. Like, like I don't want to break my dog's drive because I corrected him in the house for running around, you know, and chasing lights. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you know, or, or chasing a leaf or something like that. You know, I, I believe my dog knows the difference between a leaf and a pheasant. <laughs> well, know? and you, you touched on it earlier. When you get out an e-collar or a shotgun the dog's mentality changes. It goes from being in the house and ideally behaving to, you know, going to work. My dog starts, well, I can put on a certain pair of pants and my dog starts whining and driving me crazy. And if I wear those pants and I'm not going hunting or training, I'm like, good Lord, you're driving me nuts, you know, but that's, that's what we've conditioned them to do. It is. It all falls on their expectations. If they know what to expect, in their day, then they're happy. And and that's it. And I, I'm the same way. If yeah. I know what to expect, I, I hate, I hate, I, I don't hate surprises. I love certain surprises, but I don't like being surprised on my normal work day. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. You know, I, I just like, know what I'm going to do. A, B, C, D, and E, and I go home and go to sleep. So <laughs> very, yep, very routine. I'm the same way. Well, David, this has been a real fun conversation. I'm pre- I appreciate you coming on and taking the time to talk about all this. Is there anything else, any subject line that you'd like to touch on before we let you go or, or social media and platforms to plug? Um, no, just, uh, you know, uh, the pack animal podcast is my podcast. Uh, I am currently working on a book, uh, which we're expected to release in about, uh, six months, uh, called through the eyes of a canine. Um, you know, which will really get in depth on understanding the reality of dogs and, and how they communicate. So, you know, definitely excited for that. And, um, yeah, you know, too. lots of, lots of things in the works, lots of things in the works. I would love to do a collaboration with you guys too. Maybe do like a, a training collaboration where maybe uh, I can go down there or you can come up here and we can like train a dog together and, and hunt together. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we'll have to check out all the elephants you raised and everything while we're up there too. 
Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yep. Definitely. Well, Definitely. well, on that book, are you doing anything as far as like pre-orders or anything like that currently? Right now, we I, I have a, a small um, light fund going out. Like I'm just uh, sending out like just email blasts to try to fund, you know, I, I, I wrote the book, but I need a writer to kind of like make it cohesive and put all my crazy thoughts in, into order. Um, yeah. So that, you know, and edit everything. So that's expensive. That's, that's like uh, $30,000 or something like that. So, mm. you know, we, we are doing a light fund now, which, you know, people who support the fund can actually get a, 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 a you know, one of the first releases of the book signed, personally signed and all that stuff. And, you know, even adding uh, to some of the bigger donors, you know, we're, we're putting their credits, you know, accrediting their businesses and their names in the book itself. So uh, we are doing something like that. But, you know, we, we, we want to try to fund it um, privately before we go to like a GoFundMe. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. You know, yeah. Because then the fulfillments get to be expensive as well. So then we would ha- wind up having to fund a massive amount of money. So, so currently, um, you know, I, I just encourage everyone to, you know, friend me on Facebook or, um, or, or follow the podcast, you know, and, and I'll be announcing it there. Um, I also teach a class at the Omega Institute over in Rhinebeck, New York. Um, and it's a three day stay retreat, um, about teaching people how to become a little bit more like dogs, how to think like dogs versus thinking like humans. Man, that's so, that, so that's cool. always a fun so everybody uh friend david on facebook and check out the pack animal podcast as well and uh find details there on how to support the book coming out david thanks a bunch we'll talk to you soon thank you so much man talk to you soon take care thank you for listening to gdiy if you enjoy this podcast please remember to take a moment to rate review and share with a friend also be sure to follow us on facebook and instagram under gundog it yourself If you really enjoy this podcast and would like to contribute even more to future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash gundog it yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again in a year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukanuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pups start strong and live active when looking at all the different food options remember yukanuba to help power their ultimate performance Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.